Welcome to Women's Brew, where women talk about beer. As the old saying goes, the beer doesn't fall far from the tree. And in today's episode, we're harvesting as much knowledge as we can get on foraged beers. I'm Joanne and this is Tori. Hello, hello. And we're two beer-loving women on a mission to get more people drinking and talking about great beer. Come join us. Right, so if we get we just get into it, um, do you want to sort of introduce who you are, what you do, what brewery you're from, and then give just a high level overview of the brewery? Okay, yeah, so um, I'm Red, uh, I'm from First and Last Brewery, it's myself and my husband Sam who run the brewery, um, we've been going since 2016, we started out by cooker brewing on other people's breweries before we got our own kit, so we did that for a couple of years and then we installed our own kit um, in a little village called Elsdon, which is in North Northumberland um, in 2018. And yeah, we've been quite happy in the village there, just kind of pottering away. We've gone from two fermenting vessels when we first started, because I was also working at two other breweries at the time. Um, so life was pretty busy, kind of juggling stuff at that point. And we've slowly but surely moved into our own business. Now we're both full time. Um, we also employ Will who's our kind of dre and brewery help and general kind of French genius when it comes to all things flavour, and um, a lad uh, called Toby for a couple of days a week. So we're quite a small team, and yeah, we, um, we're having fun doing what we're doing, basically. Yeah, I got into the thick of it now, so life's really quite busy. Amazing. I love the shirt, first of all, yep. I'll say that. I love the Choose <laughs> Points shirt, um, and I love the hat. I saw you guys sell them on your website. I was like, really tempted to get one, but I was like, no, just be really good, because I was trying not to spend money on beer, and I was just like, just get just get the beer you came for and and don't get anything else. <laughs> it's a really and you'd have to hat. choose between your Three Heels one as well. I know, as I know, and I wear that one like all the time, but I love the, ha- the hats of the bobble on it, the knitted hats of the bobble, because they're so warm, and I was so tempted. I was like no like sit on hands sit on hands don't do it (laughs) but that leads us to the first beer that joe and i are going to crack today which is your plum fruited belgian ale so that's Mm -hmm. the first one that's um this came out not too long ago didn't it yeah yeah we had a real bumper um crop of plums in Northumberland. so yeah we've uh we kind of launched the forage range as a whole during lockdown one, but yeah, we've kind of just slowly but surely added, and uh, the plum crop was just amazing this year, really, really good. The blossom must have just done well. Everything's kind of landed well for plums in Northumberland, so yeah, we've uh, harvested quite a lot this year, which is amazing. So, um, so yeah, lots of lots of plum going to be brewed this year. I was going to say, is there going to be lots of plum beer? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's <It's>... the thing. Oh. <laughs> With the um, with the kind of foraged beers, it goes up and down as to how much you can get of different ingredients. So yeah, we've got lots of plums to play with this year. I was gonna say, which leads me on to my first thing: is it smells absolutely lovely. Like you yeah. really get that plum smell in it as well, and it tastes really nice. It looks beautiful. Like for anyone that's watching on the camera, the the it head on gorgeous. it as well was like yeah. this. Per- it was like this. Almost like when you get a photo of like the when when you're trying to showcase like the ideal beer and it's that perfect layer of foam like right on the top of it and it is it's very like the plum really comes through and it is really yeah. warm. <laughs> it's just quite good it's very, yeah it's really drinkable but very fruity mm. oh, that's nice but it leads us to the topic of today which is foraged beers um and and I know that as you said you you've done a lot with 
forage beers, especially over the last lockdown period. So we thought, who better to speak to you about foraging beers, uh, foraging items for beer than you? So um, we just thought it'd be quite interesting to kind of understand the end-to-end process of what you go through when you make a foraged beer. So like if we use the plum one, for example... Did you kind of decide, I, I'm assuming what's probably happened is you've gone, we have a lot of plums, let's do this. But is that how it normally is? Or do you normally have a beer in mind that you then go, where can I forage it from? What we're trying to do is really match um, a beer style with a foraged ingredient and take the characteristics of that foraged ingredient and match it with the correct kind of, I don't know what we, we're, we're thinking through what would what would go with those flavors what would go with those aromas in terms of beer style so instead of um any ingredients that we add kind of overwhelming the style of the beer we want the beer to shine through as well um but to make the most and bring the best of the characteristics of the foraged ingredient out so if we're working with flowers which can often be quite delicate and you know you've got quite delicate floral um aromas there you don't want anything that's gonna um overwhelm those in terms of your malt flavors in terms of your yeast profile um it's about kind of matching one side of things and getting the best out of that ingredient like you were doing cooking with with the beer style that you kind of that you're shooting for so with the plum um obviously we're trying to max that kind of fruitiness and all of those esters and so from the lovely, we use S33 in that, um, which is a, a variety of yeast um, in this particular beer. Um, so we brew a base beer. We then kind of will play around with different flavours. And then it's it's basically a bit of a guessing game and lots and lots of trial and error to get the best out of that ingredient. So um, sometimes, sometimes we've kind of decided to, for example, we've decided to, pear um woodruff for example and we thought right we'll do a woodruff stout because there's lots of kind of almond and vanilla we thought that'd go amazing with the stout and then we brewed a hefeweizen and we're like oh actually it goes better with the hefeweizen yes i can see that i was just gonna say like i can definitely see that and we'll play we'll play around with different beer styles until they perfectly match with that wild ingredient if that makes sense yeah now with plums you've got so much kind of sweet luscious fruitiness there there's loads of victoria plums in there but there's other wild plums in as well so and it's a lovely thing to play with because year to year your crop will change if you're using a wild foraged ingredient you know for example slow berries sometimes they'll be really really super tart but if they're on a hedgehog in full sunshine they've had a couple of frosts on them they develop a real sweetness mm. so you're you're really kind of playing with something which is a little bit of an unknown and that's a really exciting thing to do in brewing because it's not an ingredient that you're buying off the shelf it's something which has natural variants in it and you've got to make that work with the beer style um so yeah it's, it's a different way of kind of looking at the ingredients you've got to to hand and making sure that they're shining through but not overwhelming the beer style that you're wanting to kind of bring the best out of as well that's where we come at it from anyway I think you nailed it perfectly at this because it, you, you do get that plum, like the smell is very like, it's very much there in the smell. It's very much there and it's very fruity, but then, you know, it has that like a dryness to it that that sort of, it stops it from being too sweet as well. Mm-hmm. And it's just really lovely. <laughs> but I don't think I appreciated just, I it's again, I've said this on, on past discussions with people. It's it's when you know something, but you don't really know it because you don't really stop to think about it or appreciate it. The fact that like 
you're having to know if we get this berry from this type of location, it's going to taste different to this type of location. You said it's such an unknown. That is so fascinating to think that you can pull off making something so like amazing by being like, yeah, it could end up tasting like this if we got it from another whole location. It's just that blows my mind. Well, some things are kind of learned from experience and some things, like I say, are just pure trial and error and getting the best out of the ingredient you've got that year or in that part of the season. I mean, we've learned through experience that if we're picking gorse flowers, we do a gorse flower pale ale, um, picking in sunny, warm, dry um, um, weather kind of conditions will give a much better beer the, the flavour and the aroma of the gorse flower will come up much more strongly. And we start picking out in Northumberland, closer to the coast. So the season starts and the gorse flowers will start to come into bloom about 35 miles from us, much sooner than they'll come to us, you know, in our area. Yeah. In so we kind of like coordinate when we're picking in different sites because we have to get permission to pick in all of those sites obviously you just can't go onto anybody's land and start picking their the gorse bushes they go mental like you're probably being a gun out or something (laughs) so we get permission for all the sites but we've kind of got used to where it's going to be best to pick at different times during the season and um and obviously the weather changes every single year you know you get these first flushes of flowers if you get a dry period everything goes a little bit dull and you don't get the intensity of flavour from the flowers at all. Um, and then you'll get another little flush of rain, nice sunny dry day and we're straight out picking because we know that those flowers are going to be in absolute prime condition. Um, so yeah, you do have to be flexible on your brewing schedule as well because those flowers have to go straight in the beer. It's not like with plums where you can pick, you know, we've just picked 210 kilograms the other week. It's like absolute masses, right? Get them in the freezer and we can use them bit by bit by bit. With the gorse flowers, it it gets picked and it goes straight in the beer. And then we have to do a second pick for it to be dry flowered, like we would do a dry So there's two different picks for each batch of beer. Um, Mm -hmm. Kind of time it with the weather and watch the weather, what's the weather's doing. And yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, it just adds a different element to brewing, which we've always loved. Sam and I have always loved kind of, you know, we started out brewing country wines about 20 years ago and we got really into fermentation and started on the beer style, you know, side of things. And it's um it just adds a different element and a little bit of risk to it as well. You've got to, you know, some years you just won't get what you thought you would in terms of harvest, even though you've got more sites because the blossom will have got, got by frost or, you know, there's been loads of wind and all the fruits got knocked off the trees or, you know, there's loads of things which aren't quite in your control. It's not like buying a an off-the-shelf ingredient, which makes it a little bit more, I don't know, exciting and unique and different each time you brew it as well. It's really nice. Yeah, I find that really interesting because I know like with honey, we've we've talked about this ourselves before, like with honey, you can get honey and like every year that's going to be different because it's all going to come down to like what are the bees having that year or which location is it? Um, and, And that's something that's completely out of your control you can control getting the honey and who you get it from but you can't control what those bees are doing to produce that honey so it is that is definitely one of those like unknowns you just kind of put put your faith into <laughs> to how things are going out there and then just go I'm sure it'll be fine oh absolutely I and mean, I just think um yeah it's kind of putting a little bit of well it's putting a bit of nature into the beer isn't yeah. it more than usual obviously you're always working with base ingredients I mean malt comes from the land we use a base of them um, spring pale we try to use local ingredients to all of our beers 
as much as possible, but getting something which really reflects Northumberland, which is where we are, all of our ingredient, wild ingredients pick from the county of Northumberland and it gets us out into this gorgeous landscape. And um, yeah, it is that natural variance and appreciating it as well, you know, and that being a little element of the beer, which is down to nature as much as it is us making the effort to get out there and pick stuff. It's also, um, I don't know, it just makes each batch of beer a little bit unique. It's really good. You said that there's, so you said there was kind of like just a small group of you at the start. You were saying, you know, you are a small group at the moment. Uh, Is it just you guys that go and pick or do you have volunteers that come out and help you pick? How many people on average do you normally pick with? Is it four of you or is it a whole bunch of volunteers coming out? Oh, um, it, it depends on whether we're doing collaboration beers. So, you know, if we're working with another brewery, you know, you'll maybe have a, a little gang of us and we'll go out cooking. We've Put worked. them to work. <laughs> you know, for International Women's Day, we always do like a women's brew with, with, with a community of women, but also with young women and like, you know, girls as well and just get everybody out and... You know, it's, it's, it's part of the experience is getting out there and picking and just it being a bit of an experience altogether. So sometimes there'll be a gang. Often it's just either, you know, me and Sam and Will. Um, yeah, it just depends on the day, to be honest. Oh, no, that's brilliant. So when you get stuff like the plums and you're trying to put them in the freezer to, you know, preserve them for other, other beers later on, do you put them in whole or do you put them in, do they have to be like processed in a particular way? It's something I've always been curious about, about when you go to freeze stuff. Oh, right. Yeah. So, um, so with the plum, um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's 20 kilograms. We're a five barrel brewery. So there's 20 kilograms growing, go in as a whole fruit into the boil. And then I make puree to go in post fermentation um, to condition on as well. So, yeah, there is some processing for part of that crop. So then we've got another 20 kilograms, which actually boils down to another 10 or 12 kilograms in puree form. So, yeah, it depends on the the fruit and how we're working with it. So, but some just goes in absolutely whole, you know, 10 minutes before the end of the boil. It's it's just part of, you know, that ingredient that goes into into the copper. But, um, yeah, some is is kind of processed down and and pureed. And obviously that takes up less (laughs) freezer space as well, because we've got endless, like, (laughs) chest freezing it's taking over our life yeah. it's freezing fruit <laughs> I mean it's been mentally like um kind of a collecting slow berries and bilberries and raspberries and there's all sorts so you just have to have so much freezer space to be able to kind of collect all of the stuff that you need to be able to brew a big batch of beer <laughs> I was gonna just I picture you just having like just all these whole plums and <laughs> just like I just need to get the plums out now and it's like a big basket of plums or something you must have to have amazing labeling in that freezer to be be like there's the plums there's you know uh the black currant there's you know stuff over there well it's at the minute it's like like we've got four chest freezers massive chest freezers so yeah one and a half is just completely filled with plums you know like not just talking yeah it's uh, we got 210 kilograms in one pick this year which is just amazing yes a lot a lot of volume (laughs) it's really good (laughs) I mean I was just uh last night so I made some soup yesterday and I had to rearrange my freezer to get the soup into the freezer and I've got like a tub of cherries I've got some Kent cherries I halved my batch. One's gone in one lot of beer and I've got another one. And I'm like, oh, what am I going to do with that? But it was in a big box and I had to make put it into a smaller box so that I could fit the soup in as well. 
that that was enough stressful enough last night trying to work out where I was going to put all my soup in my little box of cherries let alone that amount of plums <laughs> yeah sometimes it's, you've got to take the opportunity if you find that there's been a bit of a bump of crop I mean yeah yeah, collecting all the elderberries. Oh my god, my life was filled with elderberries at this time. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing that too. <laughs> oh, nights and nights and nights. And I tell you, like people have said, there's easy ways to get elderberries off the stalk because you have to eliminate any stalk okay. uh, in the beer at all. Otherwise, it just makes the beer really astringent and dry. You know, so you don't want any stalk material in there at all. Oh, hours of my life, and honestly, my hands were like purple for like about four weeks. Wow. That's just processing elderberries it was pretty epic because we went to barrel age some as well so it was like it was a lot of elderberries needed to be processed. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah but, that, but that's going to produce something like absolutely amazing though like a barrel aged elderberry beer of sorts so that's probably amazing <laughs> just about to taste it again this year it'll been sleeping for about 12 months so we test it every but uh yeah it was tasty last time we got in there but we're going to be bottling it up for christmas <laughs> There must be something like when you when you make a beer, you're like, I don't know how this is going to turn out because I don't know how the crops turned out this year or something like that. And then you go and you taste it and it's good. That must be that sense of like, oh, yeah, I did it. Like, I did this <laughs> and this could have gone wrong, but I made sure it did not go wrong. <laughs> Yeah, it's, um, I don't know, it just, I, I, I find it super fascinating, all of those flavours out of nature, and basically it's food free as well, isn't it, you know, it's, um, there's so much going, I mean, people, yeah, everybody should be getting out making blackcurrant jam, blackberry jam, and, you know, it's just, I don't know, there's so much to go out in nature, like, I find it really inspiring, plus it's a nice thing to do with you with your time especially this time of year all the autumn colors out there and get the kids out picking I mean last weekend we were up in um where were we We were up near Berwick and um we'd heard about these guys who had um a damson orchard so we went up there picking took the kids up there and you know it's a nice thing for them to do they were clambering up the trees getting the things that we couldn't reach and got a really good really good crop out of this little little orchard just out of the way in this tiny little village and uh, these blokes were dead chuffed that the damsons weren't going to go to waste, you know? Yeah, amazing. <laughs> I said, it's got to be really like, if you're a person that's growing all this stuff as well, you must be in a situation where, you know, oh, there's maybe more that I can use. And I know that around here, people grow like, you know, baking apples and stuff, but they're, you know, they don't, they're not making enough that they're trying to get rid of it. And everyone else is like, oh, I don't, I've got, you know, I've got too many myself. I don't need them. So it must be nice knowing that they're not just going to go to waste, that someone's going to take them. Someone's going to make something really great with them. Absolutely. I think people appreciate when their, when their produce is kind of, yeah, transformed into something, even if they don't drink beer themselves. I mean, these guys didn't, they weren't really beer drinkers, but you know, we'll take them some of the fruits of their produce, you know, and uh, it's nice to kind of have those links, those community links as well with, with people. And, it's um it's funny with the damsons because I didn't realise before we started making that particular beer, the porter, um, that there's so many different types of damsons out there. Because we were out picking slows um last year and found this amazing hedgerow just up from the, the River Reed. And actually there's there's kind of wild damsons down this um down this little tiny country lane and we're there clambering over. But I didn't realise that they're kind of more like bullaces and there's a whole family 
of the Damson family that, you know, go from wild plum, which are quite big and, and juicy, to these smaller damsons, which are really spiky trees and really, really tart. Oh. These round kind of, they're like damsons, but they're completely spherical. And then bullaces, and then you get the slowberries, and the leaves get smaller as you go kind of through that oh. of trees, um, of that family of trees. Um, and the spikes get bigger <laughs> um, and the fruit gets kind of harder and tarter um, as you go kind of through the family as well. But, you know, they're all interrelated in one point or another. It's just like, where does it stop being a, yeah. a become a bullis and where does it stop being a bullis and become a damson? You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, um, it's just fascinating. You're kind of living and learning all the time. Yeah. Um, so two questions off the back of what we've just been talking about. If someone wants to get into foraging, how can they start? And what laws and rules do they need to be aware of if they're going to forage? Right, yeah. I mean, obviously safety and knowing exactly what you're picking. Um, so if you can find somebody who is already into into foraging or, um, you know, either, either you kind of got a, a mate or an associate who, who can kind of show you the ropes that's probably the best way to get into foraging to be honest is make some kind of local links with people who are already out picking and who can, can show you the the way the rights and wrongs and because yes you've got to refer to kind of you know textbook and what's edible and what is definitely not edible um but some people find that quite bewildering going straight into like an ID book, do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you can pick alongside somebody else and just bearings, um, to start with the simple stuff, basically. I mean, it's very difficult to um, kind of not know what a raspberry is when you see a wild raspberry. Do you know what I mean? Start with stuff that you really can't go wrong with um, before you start picking any berries which are a little bit more like, oh goodness, I don't know what that is. Because really, you can make yourself seriously ill, or you can yeah. make other seriously ill if you if you kind of homebrew them with with stuff you, food safety is absolutely paramount knowing exactly what you're picking and that it's not going to make anybody anybody poorly um then read uploads on how to treat that fruit or that wild ingredient because even stuff that is fully edible if it's really fully cooked might not be edible if it's not treated in the right way so for example you know there's there's wild herbs there's woodland floor plants i mentioned woodruff before if that's not dried out in exactly the right way over the right length of time it can make you have a really poorly tummy but if it is treated in the right way it can be used in making biscuits or making sugar syrup or you know or making beer for example um so yeah know how to treat your ingredients and that is about the background reading and really getting yourself gend up um on stuff um yeah landowner permission um Obviously, there's places that we can all go. We can all wander. You know, there's places which you you, you will be able to have access to, but only with landowner permission. So you need to be aware of what the rules of the land are, or where public footpaths, right of ways are. Um, even if it's a bridal way and it goes through private land, you know, make sure that you're being respectful to the people who actually own that land because they don't. Um, you know, they, they still own that pathway. They might just give that as a kind of permissive right of way. Make sure that you're not kind of annoying local residents by going into, you know, going through um, gates that you shouldn't be or, you know, kind of stretching your, the limits of the public bridal way. I mean, it's always tempting if you see an amazing bush and it's on the other side of a, <laughs> a dry stone wall and you're thinking, oh, yeah, I'll just clamber there. But get 
permission from the people who actually own and farm that land, um, obviously making sure that you're respecting the country code and closing gates where you should be and all that kind of jazz. Um, I mean, there's places which are uh, fine to kind of go pick in a kind of almost seen as, as, as common land, but also being safe. I mean, there might be amazing blackberries down the side of a railway, but I wouldn't advise anybody to go in it. No. <laughs> you've got to kind of think of your own safety as well as the permission that you need to actually get onto the land um, when you pick in. But I mean, we, because we're doing this for a commercial brewery, we tend to develop good relationships with landowners um, where we are and obviously ask for permission and let them know when we're going to be going. We always go in our FNL hoodies or hats <laughs> just to make sure that they know who's there and that they know we're not just wandering around um, picking. And I think one of the one of the biggest things from an environmental point of view is don't pick it all. Um, it's there with wild fruit because it supports a whole host of animals and insects and you don't want to go and absolutely pillage everything that's there. You know, we work on a rule of taking a maximum of half um, of any kind of site that, that we look at or any kind of bush because you want to leave enough of the birds and the insects basically for them to thrive as well. Um, it seems like a bit of a shame when you see stuff kind of rotting on the floor um, when it hasn't been picked soon enough. You know, you yeah. turn up and think, oh, I was only there a week earlier. Um, but even in that case, you know, make sure you leave a little bit for wildlife to, to thrive as well. Sounds like it's like a delicate balance there of taking what you need, yeah. not taking too much and making sure, you know, you're taking from nature. So you want to make sure that you're being good back to nature is, is really what it sounds like. What, what That's part of what it comes down to as well. Absolutely. It totally works through everything we do. I think, you know, it's, it's a personal ethic, but that has kind of built itself as part of our brewery in a, in a big way. Um, looking at things in a sustainable way and using local ingredients and using what nature has to offer but definitely not nicking it all and making sure that there's enough to go around the uh, the birds and the bugs and the beasties as well you ever see a bush when you're out walking somewhere like you mentioned oh there might be a black bush that's just overhead like do you ever make a note do you ever see a really good looking bush or a patch of bushes and then make a note and be like I'm gonna go back there and I'll get there if I can get in there (laughs) You know what? Totally. We've got this like little Google Maps kind of pin thing of when we're driving around Northumberland and you might be in completely the wrong season for the fruit that you're looking at, but you see all the blossom out for the slows, you know, you see all the blackthorn blossom, absolutely beautiful in the springtime. We're like, right, make a note of that. Stick a pin in the map and we go back at the right time of year and then it's just working out when that particular area will come ripe again. I mean, I was picking um, picking slows and rose hips two weeks ago um, down a particular lane just between here and Rothbury and um, absolutely lovely site but where the sun had hit um, you know the south face of Hedgerow was all absolutely gorgeous and you know we got a really good picking from there but the north face in Hedgerow on the other side of the road it's going to take a couple of weeks more to actually ripen because it just doesn't get the sunrise to, um, the sun through the day so um, so yeah we'll definitely be heading back there but it's kind of making a mental note and you find Particularly this time of year, you just get your eye in. You know, I'm driving around Northumberland and trying not to swerve into things because I'm like, oh, God, blackberries are up there, you know. My ladder. I always take a basket wherever I go, basically. <laughs> like, that's, me. that's me with dogs. I'll be driving down the road and I'll see a dog and I'll be like, oh, dog. And I feel like that's my reaction to dogs is probably... <laughs> When you see a really good fish, and you're like, oh, that, that looks amazing. And I'm like, dog, <laughs> I want to go say hi to it. 
<laughs> I'm just glad we're just exactly the same as blackberries that's it <laughs> that is uh no that is really cool because I because that would be my thought process would be if I was if I was doing the same thing you were doing I'd probably be going oh there's a really good bush I've spotted hmm, better make a note of that so we can go back there <laughs> And you're fine when you start getting your eye in. It becomes like a minor obsession, you know. You kind of you see patches of stuff, and you do. That's all you kind of eye is is focusing. You're honed in on this on this other world of uh, wild fruits, and it's just like picking like treasure. It's such a good thing to do in an afternoon. Like we we're picking rose hips the other day, and it's just like little red jewels, and it's oh, I absolutely love it. It kind of breaks up the broom week as well. Gets you away from stainless steel for a bit and <laughs> get the nice fresh air. And I bet when it's a really lovely day out as well, like you probably can't beat that. Just going out on a really lovely. There's probably worse things you could be doing on a really lovely day than out foraging <laughs> rose hips or plums or damsons or anything like yeah. that. I imagine you get to see some nice parts of you know, the countryside that you maybe wouldn't normally get a chance to see. Um, I know we just talked about sort of the the rules around if you're going to pick on somebody's property or, or how you actually go about foraging. Are there any health and safety rules that are put upon you as a, as a brewery that's using, you know, foraged goods? Or is that just sort of something that you meet the bare minimum of the health and safety you have to to brew and they just rely on you? basically knowing what you're doing in terms of the actual using the foraged ingredients so basically we're we're using um we're not using anything which could be um harmful to people and you know we're not we're not in the realms of brewing with wild mushrooms or anything that has any kind of toxic element to it at all so we kind of play the safe line with that not pushing the boundaries and you know, put an ingredient in which might actually cause either an allergic reaction or any kind of like stomach upset or, you know, anything like that. Because um, obviously we're governed by the rules that every brewery is governed by, you know, you get inspected by environmental health, et cetera, et cetera, training standards, you know, the basic food safety is um, is paramount. You don't want to be putting out a product that's going to make anybody feel, you know, poorly or, a little bit weird or so we're not kind of pushing the boundaries too much in terms of the ingredients that we're using are commonly used across the world I would say um they're just wild makes sense um how, so how many days in a year do you normally go foraging like do you do a whole bunch a day straight of foraging different ingredients and then go and make a few different beers out of it or do you forage like once a month twice a month sort of thing uh uh-huh. so there are definite seasons um for when you know ingredients come into into flush and they're 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 really plentiful so um over the winter it's really difficult we would love to during those quieter months um you know over over the winter months it'd be brilliant to be doing loads of foraging because you're not necessarily as full on with the brewery as you would be during the the kind of summer season as soon as march comes it's just like rah brew like crazy do you know what i mean but it, you can't really take advantage of the foraging during the winter because there's not that much out there. Yeah. Um, it's not like um, you've got kind of the autumn time with kind of wild fruits is absolutely brilliant. So we tend to do a lot of foraging during, I would say, end of August through to October. Um, you know, you've got all of the kind of 
wild fruits, the tree fruits, the stone fruits. Um, then all your berries kind of come and then you get into more late um, berries like sloes, which take a couple of good frosts before they're actually good to pick. Okay. Flavor, you know, the flavor gets better if they've had a couple of frosts on them. Um, before that, they can be very tart and astringent, you know, really, really sharp. And obviously you want that sharpness out of the sloes, but um, they do kind of soften a lot after they've had a couple of frosts on them. So there's there's a bit of a bounty period, I would say, from late summer through to kind of very early winter. Um, kind of flowers and woodland floor ingredients tend to be earlier in the year. So for the gorse flowers, we're tending to pick that um, from around, well, April onwards. We tried to brew gorse. Uh, in March one year and there just wasn't enough like I was saying you need those really warm sunny days to get the best out of plants. yeah so the first problem is if you try to pick too early there's just it's not plentiful enough and with gorse flowers it's really prickly to pick it's like on a massive great big thorny plant it's like really (laughs) spiky and sharp so you don't want to just be picking the odd flower because it'll just take you weeks to get you know several kilograms is what we're looking for and they're really light you know that's a lot of gods um so we've learned to kind of wait until further into april for picking because then they're far more plentiful we start picking out the coast like i said because they come into flower a lot earlier it's just lower altitude um they get the sun a little bit more and where we are kind of it's further inland and we're nearly a thousand feet where, where we are in, in Reedsdale. So the flowers come a lot later, but that means we've got quite a good period of about two months, which we can pick by as long as we pick our sites carefully. Um, stuff like woodruff is generally kind of May onwards, all the way through the summer. Um, I know we're going to talk a little bit about the spruce beer. We aimed to do that in um, late April this year. <laughs> And we kind of set a brew date and we realised if we just left it another three or four weeks, life would have been a lot easier. <laughs> oh, no. Well, spe- speaking of that, are you are you ready we to crack, crack, crack over? Crack yeah. Over so, one, yeah, so we actually, um, we got one of these before and I think we had it on a different episode that we did and we really liked it. And we really so. liked it, so we got some more. Well, I'm going to crack one as well because it's amazing. I can drive back to it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be good. Love a oh, I yeah, love you, a you mentioned you mentioned oh yeah that there was a spruce grisette that, that wasn't on the on the website yet and all that and I went sounds really familiar I'm not sure and then when it when I saw it I went oh we had this one before and I really liked it <laughs> yeah it and good. again it's like perfect pour isn't it's that? beautiful yeah <laughs> lovely lovely big head so tell us about the why if you had just waited it would have made your life easier yes because i mean we did this as a collaboration with mccall's brewery right and um we've been chatting about like doing something with spruce tips um we both like those kind of piney like fresh flavors so we've been talking about which style to match it with we work with grisette obviously low abv really light refreshing kind of really spring-like as a beer so and we both had time in our calendars as well in in april so it was all the planets were aligning, right apart from the school trees we're not ready <laughs> they were like no we're gonna have one eagles we are not growing oh no <laughs> 
literally like Danny, Danny McCall and his family and me and Sam and our kids like every weekend we're scouring Northumberland <laughs> waiting for the like, little kind of new growth to come on the end because you've got those really that that fresh growth um, and it's bright green it's such a beautiful colour when the spruce tips emerge and it's the really soft needles as they're first growing so it's before they kind of harden up and get weathered um, and yeah, they're, they're much softer than the, the rest of the tree. And we're like literally scouring everywhere. We walked miles. I cannot tell you how many miles we walked. I basically wore out a pair of boots looking for spruce tips. It was ridiculous. <laughs> He's doing exactly the same. And we're like checking in with each other every day going, well, that site looks like it's just about to burst, but it's not quite there. Like, <laughs> And then we, we, we <laughs> managed to get enough. But, I mean, we did like we went to so many different sites to actually get enough for the beer because we put a load of um, spruce tips actually into the boil and then um, we made a tea um, to go in just kind of two two thirds of the way through fermentation. So like boiled up more spruce tips and kind of made, um, yeah, just made a kind of tincture of tea um, with them and then added that into in, into the, the beer kind of halfway through fermentation. Um, just to add two different kind of elements to the or characteristics of the ingredient really um we didn't want it to get too dry and astringent and I don't know whether you've had other spruce ales but sometimes if it's too forward we were worried it would overwhelm the malt kind of character obviously we're working with really pale light malts in there and um we wanted the style of beer to shine through as well. So we didn't want it to get out of balance. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we got enough finally. And then we were kind of texting each other about two or three weeks later and they were everywhere. There were spruce tips <laughs> everywhere you look. Like, I mean, we could have we picked tons of spruce tips <laughs> and really easily, like yeah. within a couple of hours. And we'd spend days and days <laughs> trying, trying to get enough for this beer. It was just ridiculous. So we've left there, wait till May, rather than trying to do it in April. You know what happened? <laughs> if, you waited, if you waited, if you waited, it's like a watch pot never boils. Yeah. You would have waited and then all of a sudden it would be like, it's not happening. It no. doesn't matter. I feel like it probably wouldn't have mattered no matter when you picked it. It would always be yeah. <laughs> right after that. But that you, It's because you put the, the pain and the love into it. That's what makes it extra good. <laughs> it was tenacity and determination that yeah. year. Uh, it was it was, a lot of, it was a lot of fun to do. Those guys are brilliant down there. Such a good laugh. Um, so we did have a really good time. But yeah, there was some uh, there was some miles went into that beer. <laughs> <laughs> did you guys pick them independently of each other and then bring your own bunches together, or or how did that work? Did you just go they're ready now, and did they drive up to you when it was ready, or you drive down to them? Or they're um, they're down County Durham, so it's quite a while. We mm. wait for like two and a quarter hours. So um, we'd actually we planned um, we planned a Sunday afternoon to go to go picking together with with Danny's family and with our family and um, yeah he went down kind of on the night before and was just like there's, there's nothing in this particular woodland so we had all that date and uh, yeah we <laughs> we we live kind of on the edge of Kielder Forest like in Reedsdale Forest. So we were just going kind of off the beaten path here, and he was he was tromping around in County Durham trying to find another. <laughs> so um, we had intended to kind of pick most of it as a joint thing because we like to do that with with yeah. the forage 
that we do as collaborations because as I said it's not just about brewing the beer it's about getting all of the ingredients together as well with whoever you're collaborating with and that has its own you know its own adventures and its own crack it's nice to work with people and stuff like that so I assume with the spruce because you then saved some of it to make tea is it does that like do you dry it out did you have to freeze that how, how did you store those oh for the for the tea yeah so we we did another pick. It was like oh, you did another pick. Yeah, we just did another pick. Yeah, so it was that, complete... you have to use that like fairly soon after you picked it. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand. I think you can you can preserve um, spruce tip needles. I think you can freeze them. Um, some ingredients react really well to freezing. Anyway, if you're using like a stone for it, it actually breaks down the cell wall yeah. and extract more. I don't think that's necessarily the case with spruce tips, but I think it would be absolutely fine to freeze them. Um, but we didn't. I just did another pick and then made a massive tea, and then that went in the, okay. in the beer. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So then you've got to work out, like, am I getting it fresh? Do I need to have this ready to go? Like, can I freeze it? When do I need it? Like, yeah. that, I reckon if you've got the option, fresh is always best. Yeah. But if you're working with... Uh, pretty much any kind of fruit freezing works really well because as I say it just breaks down the cell wall most people are making you know wines will do exactly the same just um, it helps kind of extract most of the flavor and fruit from you know um, the juice from them so if location you know if, if it was if you weren't limited to what was immediately around you or the time of the year it was or anything what would be a ingredient that you would most want to be able to forage and brew a beer with? If you could pick like anything, you didn't have to worry about like concerns about market, like what the market wanted, if people buying it or what you were limited to, anything that you could forage, what would you want to brew with? Oh my goodness, that's a really interesting question. Um, that's a really interesting question. It has to be a real item, like we can't make things. no. <laughs> <laughs> So it's the one parameter I'll put on it. Is it has to be real. <laughs> no, I'm quite interested in. See, I really like dark multi beers. I'm quite. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm into my stouts, my porters, and I read about this brewery in North America. They might just be um, in Canada, and they're using some kind of like it's a it's a bark of a of a tree that's kind of native to that area. And they use that in a stout. And again, it's those vanilla kind of things. But, you know, like almost like you would barrel age. Mm. They're using the ingredient fresh. I would really like to investigate that a little bit more as to what they have to give, not just in terms of the fruits that they're producing or, um, you know, obviously we're using kind of fruits and flowers a lot. We use some woodland kind of plants like woodruff, but it's like, I would like to investigate that, go further, because I think there's loads and loads of potential to go up there. If you think how amazing, really brilliant, like barrel-aged imperial stout is, imagine using the intensity of that flavour. I don't know. So I would like that would be an area of exploration for me, I guess, and a little bit of further learning because um, it's an area that I don't know much about yet, but I'm sure there's like loads of potential to to use kind of toasted wood and things ingredient in a in a beer but fresh and see what you know native uk species have to give so yeah i could see that as a little a little adventure a little sideline for me in the future so yeah (laughs) be a bit of a research project yeah that would be pretty cool 
We'll look out for that small batch range. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look out for the wood range for sure. Um, and then and in a similar vein, so as a person that's from the US myself, I don't, I've traveled to a lot of places in the UK. I don't know if I've ever really been to Northumberland. What of your beers, because I know you're quite inspired by the nature around you, what of your beers do you think best represents? Uh, it doesn't have to be one that you have in stock at the moment, but what of the beers have you brewed do you think best represents Northumberland and why? Oh, goodness me. Goodness like, if you were to describe to people who have never been there what Northumberland is like through your beers, <laughs> what would it be? Well, that was a good question tonight. Um, you know what? I think it's the one we've got coming up because I've just had an absolute ball. We've been picking for the last, I would say, eight weeks or so for a hedgerow. We're calling it hedgerow. Um, and it's a, it's, it's a Goza style. Um Ooh. <laughs> yeah it's got a couple of a few elements so there's so many places in Northumberland we have picked because we need a significant amount of fruit for this for this beer so it's going to have wild raspberries in it it's going to have bilberries from the hills um it's got some slow breeze in it just all of these beautiful places that to me sum up Northumberland because you know we've been you know picking while we've been over near the coast near Bambra up in the hills you know near Harbottle just absolutely stunning amazing places so all the places that um, I really love being it kind of encapsulates those but the other element for that beer is we're going to be using um, some salt from Northumberland as well uh, there's a new little tiny company set up called Holy Island Sea Salt and it's a lovely making sea salt from the seawater by Holy Island and um, we're going to use that salt in our beer so it's really like all elements of that beer you know the base malt will come from Jedbra, the fruit comes from all of these gorgeous places in Hedros and Northumberland and then the other main ingredient the salt comes from um, the waters around Northumberland and I just think that's yeah, it's a little bit of everything. It's got the hills, it's got the seaside. Yeah, I think that's. Um, I, I I hope it uh, sums up what we've got to what we've got to give. I love spending time outside, just exploring in the wild. We always have, you know. So and I really, that's been a part of our life. That's where we live, where we live. Um, that's why I've decided to set up the brewery where we are. You know, it's the back end of nowhere. If I'm honest, like we are right out in the wilds but we wouldn't move it for the world you know you kind of think we don't want to grow too big and move into the city which would be a necessity it's like it's not where we're at um, yeah. we like being out in the wilderness and being part of that community which is you know it's sparsely populated and it's just it's just lush and I would encourage everybody to come and have a look because um, Northumberland's a really, really beautiful place. And it's kind of, I think to a lot of people, quite undiscovered. It's not like the lakes, you know, or it's not like Devon and Cornwall and people don't know it so well, but it's such a stunning, varied landscape. Um, it's a really beautiful place. So hopefully this beer gets a little bit of element of the, you know, the seaside and the coast and the hills as well. That's that next beer sounds gorgeous. We're gonna have to keep an eye out for that. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're gonna have to do. A, we're gonna have to do another joint order. Yeah, put some more because that sounds really lovely. If somebody wanted to come, yeah, yeah, we'll get hats this time. If somebody wanted to come and help you pick, like, would they be able to reach out to you and say, "Oh, can I help you pick for a day?" Or do you not necessarily do that for health and safety reasons or or whatever else? Um, you know what, if somebody wanted to kind of connect with the brewery and say hi, and you know, we're always welcoming to people coming and seeing what we what we what we do. We don't run any kind of like 
activity or event days like that. But um, we, you know, we're not averse to the idea of definitely people coming and helping out. I mean, there's there's local landlords and landladies, particularly with the damsons and with the gorse flower. They're like, if it means you can brew more beer, then, <laughs> then we'll get it. <laughs> That's amazing. It Absolutely love that. In and bring stuff into the brewery and help out so um so yeah the more the merrier i say <laughs> that's what it's like you're selling you're selling northumberland to me as a person that that doesn't know what it's like from that last beer description and i'm like oh if joe and i go up to northumberland like can we go visit the brewery how does it work can we pick like that would be we were talking the other day about how we wanted to go picking like hot picking and stuff like that yeah. and uh, where we could do that and so it's just it just sounds really fun <laughs> that would be awesome that would be awesome <laughs> We'll go wild swimming as well. <laughs> hey, amazing! <laughs> no, yeah, I totally. If you were, if you, if, if you know, if you or if anybody else are up for kind of coming and just seeing a little bit of Northumberland and helping out, then awesome. But all good for that. It's very seasonal. We have to take our opportunity when it's when it's happening. You know, obviously we're kind of uh, we're bound by the fruit. <laughs> yeah, we're always happy to get our hands dirty. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, you're welcome absolutely any time. It'd be a joy. Little <laughs> playground. Well, I'm conscious of the time, so I've got. I know I've got like one more set of questions to ask you. But Joe, before I move on to that last bit of questions, did you have anything else that you wanted to ask? Um. You, so we were talking. You, you were talking about the um the gorse flower having being quite thorny. Is there any like particular thing? Like, have you got sets of gloves that you wear? Is there anything particular? Or just you know. You're just used to it now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Pine hands are an advantage. I yes. have to say. Like my daughter's absolutely brilliant at gorse picking because she's got like little tiny, yeah. you know, tiny hands she can get in. And, um, yeah, we tried with gloves, with fingerless gloves. Yeah, we've tried every which way. And basically... Stops the dexterity. Yeah, you've got to have the dexterity. So we just pick without now yeah. because it's easier. And, and yeah, it... it it hurts, you end up with super tingly fingers. Yeah. Um, early in the season, um, that first flush of flowers, it's th- you're working with really hard kind of last year's thorns, if that makes sense, last yeah. year's on the gorse um, plants. Um, the later flush of flowers, if you're really lucky and there's been the right kind of rain and the right kind of sunshine, you get this second flush and it's like the, the ends of the branches will just be covered in flowers. But you've also got the new growth of the gorse underneath that and yeah it looks super spiky but it'll be kind of a softer new growth of green yeah and yeah they're a lot more pliable so you spike yourself a little bit less um so the later the picks are the less painful it becomes the first <laughs> to just be annihilate it and you can always blank it out from the yeah. year the year previous, like, why do we do this beer every year? It's fine. I've got asbestos hands. I can do it for the beer. It's fine. Because yeah. it's that thing that you're like, maybe this year will be different, and then you like, and then you pick it. You're like, it's not different. It not still different. feels just no. as bad. <laughs> but the best thing is, is you know, the sites that well, I mean, there's gorse all over. I mean, they, they do say that gorse does actually flower every single month of the year. There's, but not an individual gorse plant won't flower every single month of the year. But um, if you're in Cornwall, you might see it flowering in December. It never flowers in December up here. But um, it's quite a fascinating kind of really hardy plant. Um, and I just love the places that it tends to grow because they tend to be kind of just wild and windy and a little bit, yeah, a little bit wildernessy. And um, so 
even though it really hurts, it's one of my pleasurable times of picking in the year because get to go to gorgeous places and it takes so long. You've got to have a full day at it, you know, it's got to be put in fresh. So, um, so you've got to make sure you've got a really, you know, good batch of kind of six, seven hours to pick enough. Um, and yeah, it tends to be kind of two or three people and it's like, right, blitz it because you've got to get enough to go in fresh. It can't be stored for another day. You'll just lose all of that lovely delicate aroma. And the other thing is, as you're walking around, the fields, you've got this amazing, um, I don't know, just the aroma is just like coconut, you know? Have you ever walked in between gorse bar plants? No, I it's haven't, but I know that when you can go out in certain areas, like if there's like certain flowers there, then the smell can just be just yeah. really lovely. So I can only imagine how, <laughs> how lovely it is. Gorse flower, just the aroma is just like sun cream. It's like going on holidays, coconut, really, really strongly. <laughs> and you yeah it's just a beautiful thing to be around as well so yeah I do enjoy that time of year even though it's spiky (laughs) it's a labor of love that's what it is like baking beer is a labor of love so just that that's just reminded me of you saying you've got to sort of pick it and it's got to go right in do you start a brew then go out get what you need and then add it in or is it literally you get it all and then you start brewing maybe later in the day than you'd normally brew if there wasn't fresh ingredients going in right you know so the first pick has to yeah it just it just goes in fresh so we'll either kind of pick through a morning and then brew that or we'll pick through one day and then it it has to be brewed early the next day morning yeah the second um addition goes in as a dry flower so for that it's just like adding like you would you know a dry hop into into the beer and towards the end of fermentation so you just make sure you're not brewing the day you know the day that you're actually going to be putting the dry flour in so you pick all of that day and then it goes in absolutely fresh yeah it's one of those things which is um I guess you know fairly risky people get really worried about kind of putting fresh ingredient into you know without it being boiled up or anything yeah. like that lose everything from those flowers so I guess there is a risk element to the beer it might go off we've never had a batch which has been a problem at all um people get really edgy about uh you know obviously it's a wild ingredient it's been out out in the air but it just yeah we've uh you've got a certain level of acidity and obviously you've always, already got an alcohol content to the beer as yeah. well five percent beer i think if we we would struggle perhaps if it was a lower abv beer it wouldn't have enough alcohol to kind of um deal with anything that were that we're putting in terms of flowers but yeah you've got to have that absolutely fresh otherwise it just doesn't give the same kind of um aroma and flavor that you're looking for you need that intensity and the sunshine we've learned that through experience as well pick it warm. i think i mean that's a testament to how experienced you guys are and and how good you are what you do the fact that it's you've not had anything go off that's far touch touch wood <laughs> obviously i don't want to be like the person that brings a jinx upon you but but obviously it's a testament to what you guys do and, and your knowledge and experience and, and all that so i mean yeah <laughs> I know that you guys are also quite environmentally um, conscious about about your practices. So I didn't know if you just kind of wanted to take a minute to talk about what you guys do in terms of like environmentally friendly stuff that that I know that you guys do at your brewery. Right, yeah, we are um, 
we are it, it's just part of our ethos as people really we both come from environmental backgrounds so we both did environmental degrees that was our kind of well, that's actually where I started out brewing. I was working at Newcastle University in sustainability projects and then bid for a bit of money to set up a sustainable microbrewery. And they gave us they gave us the money. I was like, who would give money to set up a student brewery? But anyway, they did. So that's, <laughs> that's still running back at the uni. But then that's how I got into kind of commercial brewing and went to train at Brew Lab and all that kind of jazz. Um, we, I don't know, everything we do, we think about the environmental impact of it because it's just where we kind of come from as people really and we wanted if we were going to go go and set up a business and um, we wanted that to be as sustainable as possible so talked a little bit about use of local ingredients wherever possible you know we think carefully about where we source our our multi-grains from etc um, we do use hops from all over the world I guess that's one of the points where definite room for improvement but if you do want to brew you know, American IPAs kind of need to, yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah, (laughs) you're kind of bound to a certain degree, depending on like what it is you're wanting to brew for variety. And it's not that we don't brew those styles, but um, in terms of, um, in terms of, you know, our ingredients, wherever possible, we, we, we want to, we want to use local. We think carefully about how we treat our waste. I mean, most breweries will, their grain will go into, you know, the animal feed kind of system. We've got two farms that we work with and they're both within a mile and a half of the brewery. Um, So, yeah, it's quite a nice closed cycle, really. Um, You know, we see the Belted Galloway's little kind of calves who are brought up on our grain and, you know, they're they're literally running around the fields and not very far from the brewery at all. So that's really, that's really nice. All of our hops go to George, who's our local veg man, um, who kind of feeds the valley with all the fruit and vegetables. So he grows, um, he's got a massive plot just outside the village where we brew. So all of our, um, all of our spent hops go to him for mulch, for compost, um in terms of our kind of waste effluent and you know our chemical usage we collect all of the waste effluent from the brewery and it all goes into ibcs which are these big containers and then we neutralize everything before it goes down the drain so it's kind of ph neutral um which isn't something if you were working in a city environment you would have to do we um are in a very small village and you know, it's basically one treatment plant for that for that village. And then that discharge is put into the local birds. So we need to be really careful about, you know, minimising any impact that we have. We don't want to have any kind of negative impact. So everything gets neutralised before it uh, before it goes down down the drain. So it's um, it's thinking carefully about what you can do. Um, just simple things in terms of packaging, you know. We, we go to, you know, go to kind of zero um plastic packaging and all our postal stuff so just easy things like using paper tape with biodegradable glue it's simple stuff really um but if everybody did it there'd be a heck of a lot less plastic out there um so i'm sure you know and oh, with our can range as well um the cans are uh the the, the wrap on them is um it's like a biodegradable yes exactly like a full wrap uh, it's a full wrap, yeah. It's um, I can't remember what it's made out of now. Anyway, it's not. A, it's got no plastic in it. You put it in your compost, and yeah. it'll degrade down to nothing. Oh wow, that's good to know. Yeah. 
it's really good never heard of that before and to be honest I didn't even think to look at that part of the of the back of the label to even see that it's Oast House who make those so uh, it's Oast House who make the cans and do those biodegradable wraps brilliant and if more people use those on the plastic labels it's all just little things isn't it it's little kind of things everybody could contribute a little bit so yeah we we do try and minimize our impact and if there's stuff that isn't right then we're always trying to think about ways in which you can um change that and just tweak it and you know everybody just playing their little part I think um will will help our world survive a little bit longer anyway yeah no I can tell you like I don't feel or notice a difference yeah. like in the sense of between this this yeah. label for anyone watch the video and like another it's not like you're going oh I've made it a bit more environmentally friendly and therefore it feels cheap looks cheap you know doesn't look no, professional or anything it looks the exact same. same as any other label you wouldn't even notice a difference yeah. I just remembered it's cornstarch I mean house oh, yeah. as well biggest kind of can producers in the UK and they're just they're just brilliant it's just an alternative that they have as part of their their range and more and more breweries are starting to use it so you'll see lots of people out there you know it's um it's a good it's a good thing just encourage more people to do it rather than the the, yeah I don't know ubiquitous plastic wrap (laughs) exactly I mean I hope people see see this and go wow like you know, if they were making a choice because they were afraid that maybe using an alternative wouldn't look as nice or anything like that, hopefully they kind of see this. They see the labels that you guys are using and they can see, oh, actually, it, it you know, quality-wise, it still looks really good quality and it feels really good quality and no one's going to even question, oh, is it biodegradable or is it, you know. It, and, I mean, when the box arrived, it's not like I went, oh, this isn't packaged safely or anything like that. It was packaged in the same exact way that I get. It felt like it was the same quality as any other packaging I'd get, but to know it's more environmentally friendly as well is um, it's just really interesting that you're using like alternatives to just using, you know, the tape, you know, you're using better tape, for example, but it's not like you're getting a worse or a less safe package out of that or anything. Yeah. I think, um, you know, there's some really good alternatives out there. You pay a few pennies more for it, and that's the thing. But if I, I think that's worth it. We, well, yeah. we feel it's worth paying that extra. Um, yeah. I think as a consumer, I mean, I can't speak for you, Joe. I, I, I know you'd probably agree. As a consumer, I think that I, I'd pay – I wouldn't have any qualms about paying a bit more, knowing that it was going to be yeah. – a, a bit more environmentally friendly like if someone said oh this is going to cost you an extra quid or two because we've used environmentally friendly labels and we're being sustainable with our brewing practices like I don't I wouldn't turn around and go two quid I mean I don't think so that's a bit much you know I don't want to save the planet yeah like where it's for the good of all of us <laughs> awesome. yeah. yeah um so is there any upcoming beers or events or anything you want to plug? Pl- feel free to plug your socials. Feel free to plug anything you want right now. Well, I mean, I would say just check out First and Last Brewery. We usually put anything that we're doing in terms of beer talks and um, we've got a couple of things um, happening 
with an organization called Wild Intrigue. We partnered with them on a Bats and Beers event recently, but we're looking forward to doing some more stuff with them. Basically getting people into beer who might be into wildlife or into wildlife who might be into beer. So <laughs> um, we try and kind of, I don't know, share audiences a little bit, if that makes sense. They do some really interesting stuff about helping people explore the wildlife of Northumberland and where I don't know, I guess trying to get a beery craft beer audience towards them. And then, you know, maybe wildlifey people will come and start drinking our beer out in Elston as well. Nice. So things coming up then. In terms of new beers, yeah, we've got the um, barrel aged double. We want to do more barrel aged beers. Um, hopefully, yeah, a few things on the horizon this coming year with more of the barrel age program, but I won't say too much about that. Give us a surprise. Take my money. <laughs> double coming up for Christmas so I'm really looking forward to that because it was cracking first time round but um I think it's going to be nice having had a little bit of slumber in a Rioja barrel oh yes please yeah I mean I wouldn't disagree with the fact it was amazing the first time around <laughs> yeah but like that's oh that sounds amazing yeah. So, yeah that's definitely another one I'll have eyes out for yeah <laughs> for sure yeah. collaborations coming up with some lovely people I mean what lovely people are out in the beer industry it's just it's like one big group of mates isn't it really yeah, it, yeah. isn't it such a lovely community yeah, so we're um, looking forward to going and visiting a few breweries over the next couple of weeks. It's kind of after the summer madness, it's it's the chance that everybody takes just to kind of visit each other and brew beer together. And yeah, really festival good. season's done. Now it's time to go collaborate in a bit more relaxed environment. And <laughs> these few weeks before you start going, ah, it's going to be Christmas. It's Christmas now. <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely wonderful well obviously we'll put the links to all your socials and website everything yep. in the show notes um but yeah thank you so much yeah, for so much coming for on and agreeing to, to talk to us i learned a lot of things <laughs> in this episode a lot of really interesting things and i'm sure that there's going to be a lot of other people that listen that have just learned a lot of things that they didn't even think they wanted to know until they heard <laughs> this and now they're like what tell me more so i encourage them to go check you guys out go check out your beers they're lovely um and it's been a lovely conversation so thank you so much welcome back so you will have just seen the wonderful conversation that we had with red from first and last brewery um that was a wonderful conversation i learned so much thank you so much for agreeing to come on and talk to us red it was brilliant um on that i mean we mentioned on it that we had uh the light nights which is the spruce grisette the collab they did with mccall's brewery so we had this on the farmhouse sales episode uh that we did we talked about it extensively uh, it was really lovely then it's still really lovely now um when we were prepping to do this forage beers episode i knew i wanted to do a forage beers episode joe got on board with doing a forage beers episode i started buying up forage beers that i could find um and joe the same and one of the beers we got was and i, I wanted this for the name and then i think i wanted it for the name and then it developed into we could just do a forage beers episode which yeah. justified the purchase completely uh it's wild weather's spruce foresight and that's a forage spruce tip pail so we thought it would be a good segue now <laughs> we've saved some of the spruce grisette yep. um we've obviously got uh the pail 
we're going to kind of have them next to each other. Now we understand entirely that they are different styles. We're not expecting them to be yeah, the don't, same. Don't at us that one's pale and one's a grisette. Yeah, we, are, we are. We are. Yeah. Don't <laughs> don't at me like I'm not aware that they're not going to taste the same. Like they are going to have different characteristics to it. It's more it, about how we can pick out the spruce, the spruce. from both of them. Exactly. Uh, so first thing we both noticed was that it poured. Like if I pull this now on camera, yeah, it it pours. Head. Yeah pretty it, it like is growing it is mad. Yeah. <laughs> like look at that it's like when you dump bubble bath in a tub and then you just like have the water gush down that one spot just gets like really really foamy but it receives quite like yeah. you know it's it, it, a flake in that bad boy yeah you can definitely stick a flake in it it holds well but it doesn't like take up the whole glass or anything like that obviously like i said we know they're different styles it's a much darker yeah, color <laughs> they look entirely differently um this one's definitely hazed i've got it in my nice wild weather glass um it's more gold whereas the other one's more straw yes exactly that i've got photos i'm sure i'll put it somewhere either on instagram or on the blog that i never keep up with i'm sure it will go somewhere so what i've noticed is in the aroma you get that kind of spruce piney pininess it's a lot i think it's a lot stronger in the grisette and they're, they're both slightly... So the grisette's got... I think they come up of, in different ways. Yeah, yeah. So in the grisette, it's very zingy. And I think that's because they dry hopped it with a... They dry hopped the grisette with relax hop, which adds lemongrass. It is, yeah. There's that zestiness to yeah, it. So it's that's definitely kind of, more... So you're, getting, so you're getting that kind of freshness is being boosted by that hop. Whereas in the, in the wild weather, I'm getting it more fruity. Like in fact, I get a bit of plum. Oh, interesting. So I don't know if I get plum. I definitely get like I get more earthiness to it. Yeah. I definitely get more yeah. like so this tastes like a, a zest, like you said, zesty, light, um lemony type, fresh, like like fresh outdoors. Yeah. Whereas this smells more like, in my opinion, pure like spruce, like tr- like earthy it has that earthy tree quality yeah. to that smell yeah. it is i don't want to say like resinous because it's not quite it's resinous. Not resinous maybe like no. it's not but it's got that like maybe piney is kind of more what i'm going yeah. for more of that fresh outdoor smell um but like in a really good way do you know what it tastes like <laughs> what does it taste like it Joe? tastes like a spruce tip blonde that i had in alaska that i never thought i'd taste again which makes me really happy. So yeah, so if I'm reading, basically what I've got from uh, the Wild Weather website is this is a very special pale ale brewed with local spruce tips foraged by Wild Weather staff and volunteers from Reading Amateur Brewers. Fresh and floral with notes of gingerbread and resin. So there's that resin that I kind of mentioned. I said it was re- like, I didn't really get the resonance and the aroma, but I can see where sort of like that resin is coming from where, where you'd get that. Um and like the gingerbread, I don't quite get gingerbread, but I definitely get like spiciness yeah, to spicy, it. Earthy yeah. spiciness. I get stone fruit. You get stone fruit in yours. Yeah. I don't get stone fruit in mine. And it makes me really happy. Saying that, I was going to say, I don't get stone fruit in mine. However, saying that, I didn't originally get like a fruitiness. Maybe it's because you put it in my head, but like the Possible. subtle undertones of it, like the aftertaste of it, is definitely coming through fruity now and i think it's probably your fault you probably just put it in my head sorry yeah i might have put that in your head i think you did but it's i mean it's it's good either way um but yeah i, I thought it was quite interesting that they went out and they foraged all the spruce tips and it just yeah. 
it seemed like it would pair really well next to the spruce croissette. So they are very, very different beers, and they show spruce off in very different ways, which I think is really interesting. You get the, like, I think the thing is, you get the spruce quite quite well from both of them both yeah like you get spruce in both aroma and taste from both of them but in like you said in very different ways um which is interesting because if you had asked me a year ago like can you brew with spruce like i'd be like you probably could but i wouldn't think that it would impact the taste that much if you know what i mean um but yeah it's obviously it comes through quite well more so than i would have even guessed yeah, I like them both for like two completely different yeah, reasons. Different, for different ways, yeah. Right, so our next beer, I, I grabbed this one because I was just like, I feel like we need to have this for a foraged one. And this is Dropped Limb <laughs> by Duration and Verdant. We might have a Verdant beer that I actually like, people. <laughs> I, do fair, I, li- I like Verdant, I but this is very different from like yeah, this what is, Verdant yeah. normally do. Because There's it's- nothing wrong with Verdant. I don't have a problem with Verdant. People are going to at you now. They're going to be just, like, Joe, no, why do just, you no, hate but I just, I, No, I don't hate them. I just haven't found a beer of theirs that I really enjoy yet. Yeah, so. that's because you're not like a you're not like a hot I'm queen. Not, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not into the juice. So no. I, but yeah, no, exciting. Um, Rustic so Saison. <laughs> and I love a Saison, so we are there. Um, so this is from Duration's uh, Fermata range. So Duration, our brewery in Norfolk, um, it is run by a couple Bates and Miranda. They are very much about the land and using local local ingredients and like working with local the local community and things like that. Um, they're also very sustainable in the things that they do. They are based in a an old barn in a on like farmland. And when they they started building their brewery, um, I think I've said this on episodes of the podcast before, but there are bats living in the brewery and they had to have like conservation come out because they're a particular breed of bat and they made sure that the bats were okay and they could carry on brewing um they also have a cool ship and don't spoil um, that because we're going to talk about cool ships in a later episode spoiler we're going to do a cool ship episode episode. um they have a cool ship and they have folders where they um age their beer and well actually interestingly this dropped limb was in the cool ship and then they truck chucked a log in it. <laughs> they literally found a fallen down tree. They chopped it up and they stuck it in the beer to see what would happen. Because Bates likes experimenting like that. Um, so they are they are one of my absolute favourite breweries. Um, if you haven't had any duration, where have you been? <laughs> Please go and drink some some uh, duration. And... It did amazing. Um, like the brewery. Tour, like, yeah they did. it was like they a tour did. but I like think... it was like it was a tour of the brewery and and all that kind and of stuff tasting. during lockdown tastings yeah, that's what it was did. that's what i was looking for i think for. they were doing those monthly they were amazing the brewery tours um, i know i, I had a glass do... from them but my glass broke because oh, i got it they're one of my faves they're one of my faves um i'm always excited about always about consistently theirs. like really good as well like yeah. it's always consistently really quality stuff yeah and so we grabbed this one because you know just sticking a, a log tree. in what are, like that's cool what, what more forage could you get it's the most they've interesting also, <laughs> yeah they've also currently got out a saison i think it's a saison that is made from foraged berries that the community foraged together so if you can get that try that as well um but should we crack into this because yeah, i'm excited i haven't tasted it yet you've tasted yours 
I, I cracked right in there. It's, it always makes me, can I just say as well, like it always makes me feel fancy. Like when I'm pouring. Like proper, like, yeah, like a three, like bottle. I feel like the 375 mil bottles, because yeah. it's just bigger than a normal bottle. Like it always makes me feel like that much fancy. And then they've got the like indent thing at the yeah. bottom. I feel like I'm pouring something yeah, really posh. <laughs> this is funky. It is funky. And it's, it's conjuring up memories that I can't, I feel like I can't even process them. I'm going like, to tell you. You know what? I'm going to tell you what okay, it is before, in a minute, but I'm going to let you drink gonna be, it So yours is going to be like probably, I really hope yours toss, tops the one that I, I just said that you're going to hopefully cut out. And I want to leave people, get cut it out because I want to leave people guessing yeah. of what my really weird one was. But <laughs> I would say <laughs> it conjures up images of like, cut that all out because I let people know that you cut that out. I want yeah. them to guess what you've just cut out. <laughs> And then you can get to me on Instagram and guess what you think I just said. Yeah. What, <laughs> what a, that smelled like. It smelled like. Um, leave yours in. Don't leave people guessing okay. on yours. Mine's great. I'm going to get added for it for sure. Um, so it's got, I think you can get the oak and like the tree from it. Yeah, there's definitely like a woodiness to there's it. Funkiness, a bit of citrus, I think. I would say like or it like I definitely get orange. specifically orange, yeah. maybe like a bit of lemon, but I'd yeah. say more so orange. Um, it's a saison, so it's got that lovely effervescence that helps clean your palate. It's quite dry. That's really interesting. It's taking me a moment to process. It's, it's definitely complex. funky. It's, it's definitely fun. It is funky. very complex. That's why I need a minute to like get my brain around it. And I and I like it because it has a refreshing quality to it. I bet as we've discussed in other episodes of Saison, I bet it's like really great on a really hot day. Yeah. I imagine if it's like really, really hot out, this is super, super fun because it's refreshing now and it's not even Have this with warm a plate out. of cheese. Mm. I'm kind of gutted because I wish yeah. I had like another bottle of it because I feel really upset. I've just cracked the one bottle of I it know. that I have open. Um, I reckon it would change as it ages as well. Oh, I might have to get more now because yeah. I still do like the undertones to it I do get like a like a woodiness to it, but not like not one that I've had before. Like I've had ones that I've had like, you know, smoked woods in it mm-hmm. and oaks. And I think I've had, I want to say birch in one of the in one of ones I've had before. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but I it's really interesting because this lands in a very like I don't know what kind of tree like, it is they use. To be honest, I, I didn't ask, but I don't think I've tasted anything like this before. Me either. It's very interesting. It's very unique. Like you said, it's very complex. It's very, you know there's so much layering to the taste. As I smell it, it smells like walking in the woods. Hmm. I could see how you'd get that. That wouldn't be the first thing that my brain goes to. It's very subtle in smell yeah. compared to, I think I was thinking I was going to get this really big, wildly funky aroma to yeah, it. No. But it's actually really subdued in terms yeah. of, like, it. It's got some lovely, like, I think the smell is very complex. It's very hard to pick apart. Like you said, we get some bit of orange in there. You you get some of those notes, woody, a bit earthiness, but it's not, there's nothing that's like a really bold aroma that jumps out at you. Like the spruce ones did. Like when I smell the spruce ones, it was like, boom, I can describe that without, without issue. This one is very. And I almost get like like a mossy. Yep like musky i was gonna say mu- i was gonna say musky right <laughs> i so, was just about okay, to say I'm musky. Glad we're both on the same page for that because but not in a bad way no right and this is gonna right, sound so tell this me is, this is my weird thing 
and I do enough weird things that we need I to leave yours in like, to even out. People are going to be like, "What are you talking about?" And it's not actually in a bad way, but the smell remind the smell and the taste a little bit reminds me of Lynx Africa. <laughs> um, if you could, could you like superimpose a bit of um, Africa <laughs> over? Could, like, can you just play the song, just the pan <laughs> flute part of Africa over this? Um, every time we take a sip of it, could you just put the pan flutes of Africa over it? Because I would, that would genuinely give me the biggest kick in the world. I don't know what it is about it, but I was just I, I can, sat there. And it's I was really weird because I can actually see. I can, can you see, see what why. I mean? Yeah, and that's really weird. That's why I didn't want to say it to you until after you tried it already. I think it's the mossiness. Do you know what I mean? You know what yeah. I mean. Like that must that musky and like all of this is not in a bad way. Like you're going to hear this, and you're going to be like. Uh, musky what are you talking about but it's actually really lovely yeah that's part of the complexity of it mm-hmm. and I think that it's not like we're kind of associating it with this particular thing but it's not to say that that is what like it doesn't taste maybe it's perfumey like Ma- maybe but not in like a off-putting way it is perfumey I would say that it's a bit um, perfumey actually so usually duration put on their what hops and stuff they've used and they don't so I was wondering um, if it was a, so is that actually, in your information yeah. so basically um one really good thing that that they do that duration do do is when you go on their website um so I'm going to take this moment to shout out their website because it's one of the most user-friendly so good. <laughs> websites one of the best functioning websites that so any good. brewery not even just brewery like one of the easiest to use websites user-friendly completely that i've been on from a company selling things um and they've got so many like cool things like since i i hadn't gone on since maybe a year or so ago because every time i bought the when i've bought their beers recently it's been like from a bottle shop i'll pick one up or you've picked it up Mm -hmm. the last time i ordered from them was maybe six months to a year ago um and they have like whole new sections that i had not seen before so Assuming this comes out before Christmas, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Uh, it definitely will. But, you know, this is a great place to like, you can get Christmas gifts for people or birthday presents, Hanukkah presents, whatever you celebrate, or just a present because you appreciate someone, like just an appreciation present because you can get beer for yourself. And not only that, they have homewares. They had cushions on there yeah, with the designs from their labels. And you I was know, like... Their labels are amazing. And it's really cool looking pattern. They had balms. They've got hand balms, cream. Hand you cream. You've said Christmas. Lip balm. I've been after the hand cream and the lip balm for a while because every time I'm just like, I can't justify buying that right now. I'm just going to buy beer. Drop a massive hint to Gordon. But it's good. I'm just, <laughs> I, like, we're at a point where we just give each other lists and go buy me that. It's going on the list. I hadn't even thought that's totally me. Like this, this is like list. this is so I like to do for Christmas. Like I don't think Rick appreciates it much. What I like to do is I like stockings. Mm-hmm. Um, he just hates buying things for the sake of buying. Them. Like he doesn't like having charge keys or anything like that. For me, like I love Boring. stockings. I love stockings because I love, I love that it's like I can get you stuff that you'd buy. Like I just like doing stockings when it's like so boring this is like what it means to be an adult when you're like i'll put like some toothpaste in there <laughs> put like right. some lynx africa in there <laughs> just stick a bottle of uh, a drop yeah. lid in there you yes. put in like you know the stuff that people need Not in a bad way like shaving people <laughs> this is a bad way because it's really delicious but you put like shaving cream in there like all the stuff that someone needs but they wouldn't necessarily buy for themselves if i got stuff like like i but I like to do it like elevated, like next level. So it's like, if I want lip balm, I don't just want like 
go and get me the Vaseline brand for like 99p in boots. Like, get me the duration lip balm <laughs> or the hand cream. Oh. I don't have a beard at the moment. Therefore, I mean, the, the beard cream is probably not going to help me. But yeah, they have like all kinds of it's like the skincare products. They have stationery. I was like, this has evolved so much. But we've gone off. We've gone off topic. Anyway, because topic. the reason Shocker. I was taken to their website, the reason I've gone to their website um, was I was just I noticed as I was looking for this particular one um, that they have a whole sort of section of their website that is for. Um, it's like a beer library yeah the beer library is so good the beer library so that's like all their beers are on there um if they're still for sale you can kind of it will guide you to where to buy them if not i kind of have it it has all the ingredients the style the abv the hops used um i mean it even breaks it down to like here's the dry hops so i mean i imagine this one just has dry hops i imagine if it was just the hops in general it'll probably put it'll probably differentiate it um other ingredients who they've collaborated with the aging method so it says like aging method for this beer it says stainless um this was availability one-off so it wasn't they have like seasonal on there if it's seasonal uh so if we're going to look at like the flavor profiles it says it should be balanced citrus citrus pith dry experimental funky light funk oat tart and sour which like yeah i can definitely get the majority of that if not all of that i mean oak i feel like i'm getting wood maybe not oak specifically but maybe i just it's a different part of oak that i've never had in a beer before um but the dry hops use i don't want to say this because i'm going to get it so wrong mittelfrau mittelfrau <laughs> mittelfrau that's why that's why i don't like to say it and saz saz yeah saz saz yeah. Uh, I'm really not great with those names, um, but yeah. So those are the two hops. That so that's probably where we're getting it. the. We're get, there's a little bit of spicy earthiness to it. Those are German hops, so that's you. You get and the perfuminess. German hops. I was hoping you'd say they were German hops because perfuminess comes from German hops. Can you imagine if I was like, oh, it's like uh, fuzzles, <laughs> fuggles, fuggles, <laughs> fuggles, fuggles, whatever fuzzles. it is, fuggles, yeah. fuggles, whatever. Like, no, nope. <laughs> you're like, oh no, it is not what it is. <laughs> um but yeah no so that was um if you've not seen the beer library and you drink their beer and you want to know more about it it's really interesting and it's so like you can do a search function on it it's so user-friendly go check out their website like go so look good. at their products like just like i said looking at their cushions i was like these are amazing yeah it's really cool stuff but they were also super nice in that i messaged them and i asked them a bunch of questions about the beer and they very kindly came back with a response so i had said um, I'd ask them where the idea for this had originally come from. You know, I know that they've obviously collaborated with Vodent. So I was kind of wondering, you know, who had the initial idea for it. So I'm just going to basically read you the exact response I've got instead of paraphrasing it. So she said, uh, we love working with a sense of time and place to making our beer. Our brewer Bates loves slow beers that come to fruition by being given time in the barrel store. Walking the dog walking the dogs my times in our rural west norfolk setting he passed a veteran oak perhaps 300 or 400 years old that had lost a limb in a storm in part the dropped limb had a meter circumference it was not small he got to thinking what if instead of aging a beer in wood we added wood into the wart so that was quite interesting like i thought just out for a walk just just walking the dog that's like proper foraging right there (laughs) yeah walking the dog and then he was like ah shit this this tree's down i 
might as well just cut bits of this um yeah that's very interesting there's been many times that like <laughs> we've been in the woods and they've been dropped bits on the ground and my husband's been like not so much for brewing purposes yeah. but we've been like oh this wood's just going to go to waste it's just going to rot away or it's going to be removed by the council like oh we could save that and we could use it for the fire we could just come and chop up logs and there's been so many times that rick has almost gone to the woods with like a handsaw and come back with logs for our for our fireplace and he hasn't done it next time you do that you need to get some and we'll like stick it in a beer it'd be really interesting i don't know if we could do it on a small scale but it'd be really interesting to do. But I, that's what that's why, like, when you told me about this beer, I was like, we have to do it because yeah. so interesting. Just the fact that they're just like, we'll just chuck logs in it. Yeah, um, yeah so I said, I, I mean, I asked how many logs roughly did they use? And she said, um, Miranda said, Bates got his chainsaw and chopped off some of the smaller branches of the drop limb, enough to fill the back of his truck with 30 or so handball-sized logs. I, I just said, where do the logs come from? And she said, a field near the brewery. So it is proper close to home, yeah. close to their brewery. Um, I did ask if they'd ever brewed with them before because I know that I had never, I'd never really seen wood being used in this way, like quite this way yeah. before. Um, is That's what was really intriguing to me, really interesting to me. So I just, I had to ask, like, did they even have experience with it or are they just kind of making it up as they go? Uh, she said when visiting scratch in the u.s we added bark into the boil so i guess not so much just full-on chunks of branch but they used bark and that's that's i'd be interested to try that as well and it ties in with sort of what we were talking about with red earlier where she was talking about a brewery in canada that's used i think she said bark before for yeah, something local, um, like local tree bark. very specific local yeah. tree bark so yeah um I, I asked what the biggest challenge was um that they came up with in the process and and she said you know gathering the wood was pretty treacherous and then she said see photos which you will have just seen uh we cool shipped the beer we'll talk about cool ships later uh but adding it to the wall we also pitched yeast to ensure fermentation kicked off as the wild yeast may not have survived the high temps so i just asked how they mitigated it and she said, uh, wore safety clothing and also pitched some yeast into the wall once the temperature dropped. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, really yeah, interesting yeah. stuff. Um, Such an interesting beer. <laughs> I just, just the idea of it sounded really cool. And then hearing about just the fact they just happened upon a, you know, a downed part of tree was really interesting. And it is an interesting taste, really. I feel like the taste is as unique as the story behind it. Yeah. And what they've chosen to put in it is all very unique as far as I'm concerned. Um, I love it. But yeah, I really enjoy it. Highly recommend it if you like. Obviously, if you don't like Saison's, it might be a bit more of a harder sell for you. But if you like Saison's and you want something that's a bit different to the standard Saison you get. Funky, complex and just interesting. Like, I don't think I've ever tasted a beer like this before. So I think if you want an interesting experience this is the beer for you yeah i feel like it's it's weird to say it but it's like it's complex while also being so simple yeah like does that make sense drinkable very drinkable very drinkable the aftertaste that i just got made me think of (laughs) this is gonna this is gonna be even weirder than this is gonna top links africa i don't know if it will top links africa because this actually makes a little bit more sense but it is probably weirder to think about okay. than links africa um it's like when you're in school and like back in the day you used to write with pencils you didn't type 
things on a keyboard and it was like when you'd sit there chewing on like a pencil oh yes because the fact that and and i like i said i don't mean like that was a unpleasant taste no not not that i ate pencils like i wasn't like let me go because you were tasting the wood yes that was what i was saying it's the woodiness that you get from like when you're like yeah chewing on a pencil having to think about the answer to your test that you're probably going to fail you know that level of that level of taste (laughs) you didn't i mean when you're going to get a passable grade but a just passable grade (laughs) you're thinking about how you didn't study the night before you're really taking it all in um that is what it reminds me of but with less anxiety and stress Mm, it's lovely I really enjoy it It, it's nothing but positive memories like I feel like it's conjuring up really good positive memories I mean besides the fact of the result day of the test but the day of taking the test was good but yeah I'm really loving it yeah I'm glad I I'm I'm glad I got to do that one it's lovely I'm gutted I only have the one Need some more of it. I reckon you can get some more. At one point, they were doing a case of of them, so you could age them. You can still get a case of them. Mm. So you can get a case of them. So they're seven percent. It's a box of six for forty six eighty on their website now. It looks to be still in stock. So you do, they do. What I really like is they do a um, build a box. They so do you indeed. Can pick six different beers. Like They've also started doing um. So they do clothing, obviously. Mm-hmm. They've also started branching out into like yoga stuff oh yeah you can oh, get like a yoga, yoga yeah so there was a I mean I it's interesting if you do yoga I have never been good at yoga so I've just I just started doing yoga don't try anymore I don't try anymore because I'm not very good um but you can get if I'm scrolling through a yoga face towel oh. um I can't see the front of it so I'm not sure if it says around but it says branded to show your love of yoga and beer so oh. I think yeah. I think they do do they do beer and yoga I think they do beer and yoga they do the yeah room. so if you are close enough to them that you can oh, visit there my, so they do tap nights they are mine as well and I think I remembered and I might be making this up so at me if I've made this up completely but I swear that there's you can camp not far away from their brewery because i feel like i feel like yeah i feel like they're i feel like somewhere. when they yeah i feel like when and i love camping so i feel like when they were doing one of their tastings there's something about you can come normally when it's not yeah. covid you can come and visit and you can camp at this place and it's yeah. not very far from from where they are sort of thing uh, but yeah i mean you can go on the website they they do tap night tables that you can book they do brewery tours you can book and they do yoga and beer that you can book for 10 quid so amazing not bad not bad at all so yeah it's pretty interesting i feel like we've learned a lot tonight i feel so i feel so yeah and tried some things that we wouldn't have tried otherwise like i feel like that's for me that's the highlight of like forage beers is it's interesting stuff that you don't just necessarily happen upon with any beer. Like you don't just happen upon a beer that's just had like logs dumped into it. Yeah. It's really interesting. More unique, complex flavors. Yeah. I love it. These are the types of beers that excite me. Yeah. I am. Um, I'm really happy that we made the last minute decision to <laughs> like, should we do this one as well? Yes. Yeah. So you're like, I'm yes. ordering it. I'll do like, it. Yeah. I was like, I'm putting an order in. I'm ordering you one. You're the real MVP there. So yeah. Hopefully we can follow up again. Maybe we can get someone on to talk about cool ships. I don't know. But maybe we can follow up again in terms of cool ships because maybe we've got a beer from theirs that we'll drink. Maybe we'll cool ships. Maybe, maybe we don't. We I don't know. 
But yeah. Spoilers. Um, Tori, if people would like to get hold of you and guess what you said that you made me cut out, where can they you get cut hold of you? all of that out, cut all the bad bits out, all the awkward bits, <laughs> and then you can come to me and you can guess <laughs> the awkwardness that is me. Uh, Comment on this to... episode on Instagram. What do you think Tori said? <laughs> yeah, uh, I feel like if you happen to guess correctly which you won't if you happen to guess correctly i'll give you a beer or something i don't know she's got enough she can give you one i'll give you something <laughs> or, or a glass or whatever you can have something i guess even a like a crisp high five if you get it right i don't know uh but you'll never guess so it doesn't matter i don't have to think about it but if you want to try to guess or you want to message me about it uh you can find me on instagram at adventures underscore in underscore optimism joe if they want to talk to you about links africa where can they talk to don't you come about, and talk to me about don't talk to me about links africa um if you'd like to talk to me I want to talk to you about the song africa you can talk to me about Toto and Africa. Or you could just I'll come to it. me about that because I'm a connoisseur of that song. I requested oh, that at the wedding right. over the weekend. Did you? Amazing. We oh, requested no. it I love every 80s. wedding we go to. And we lost our mind. Nobody else appreciates when Africa comes on. Really? But we do. do. And the DJ does. And that's all that ma- I think we had, normally we've got like no other people interested. This time oh. we got at least two other people to sing along nice. and the dj loved it yeah. so i have to i i am a child of the 80s so i'm all about that all about that life um if you'd like to talk to me about being a child of the 80s i am a woman's brew on facebook instagram and twitter or come and learn what words you would use not links africa to describe funky interesting beers like this uh, at my beer school love beer learning that is on facebook instagram twitter tiktok and pinterest it also has a website lovebeerlearning.co.uk and we have an email address lovebeerlearning at gmail.com you can email us there email us there about what things you would like to hear on the podcast we would love to do an episode for you and we are on patreon if you would like to help us fund the amazing things that we can do for this podcast you can contribute two pounds a month and help us keep uh, a Women's Brew podcast going. Uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. On that note, cheers. cheers.